Susan. Jordan. What's going on, Susan? Uh, not a whole lot. What's going on with you? Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Just did all the uh, exercise yeah. videos for the next Inner Circle edition. That was good. Got outside, got a little windy. It got very windy. But uh, a little blast of air was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So, uh, Susan, tell everyone, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, Susan is my co-coach in the Inner Circle. And uh, every month she comes to Dallas where we do the next edition of the Inner Circle, new workouts, exercise videos, all that stuff. Susan, just tell everyone where they can follow you if they don't already. Sure. Um, you can find me over on Instagram, Susan Nieber Golf Fitness, YouTube, Susan Nieber Golf Fitness, Facebook, the same, all that stuff. Just Susan Nieber Golf Fitness, N-I-E. Not Suzanne but Susan Nieber Golf Fitness. <laughs> and I have a book, uh, Fit at Any Age, Just Never Too Late, out on Amazon. I love it. All right, so we are going to do a Q&A style podcast. Uh, basically, I just put up a Q&A box on Instagram, and we're going to go through a bunch of these questions and answer a bunch of them at random. Hey, let's do it. All right, so first question, Susan, what is your favorite cereal? Oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even close. Yeah. Well, what's your second favorite? If Cinnamon Toast Crunch is your first, what's your second? Captain Crunch. Yeah. That's, okay. not, that, that's not even close either. Yeah. You know, for me, I go back and forth between which one I like more. Mm -hmm. Captain Crunch, I think right now I'm in a Captain Crunch is my favorite. Mm -hmm. The only drawback of Captain Crunch is that I'm they scratch the top of your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's like just a little, like sometimes it's too sharp. Does it get caught in your teeth? It does. It gets it does. caught. That's the one thing drawback for me that yeah. it gets caught in my teeth. Yeah, yeah. So it's sometimes a little bit too sharp. Yeah. But I think that I love the crunch. I love the taste. Oh. It's you know? great on yogurt. I oh mean, yeah, put it in Greek yogurt. Yeah, super yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, Captain Crunch is the bomb, and not not the fake Captain Crunch. Is like the other different the no, original the original Captain yeah. Crunch. You know what I did the other day? I put a cinnamon toast crunch with chocolate milk. Oh, how was that? That was as good as it sounds. It was I amazing. I am fascinated with that. I saw some people in the elevator in my building, and um, and they had cinnamon toast crunch, and uh, and Reese's peanut butter puffs. I think is what they're called, which um, I think those are overrated. Yeah, I do. But uh, they had the cinnamon toast crunch, and I told them I was like, you know, I put that in chocolate milk the other day, and they were like, no way. They, so they were gonna try it. It's it's phenomenal. Oh, man. I, I'm going to set that up when I get home. Yeah. For I, sure. And and the Fairlife, I think Fairlife milk the, is the best tasting. The, absolutely. But the Fairlife chocolate milk is holy shit good. Really? Oh, my God. I've never had We have it here. Chocolate. All right. When we're done okay. off the podcast, we'll, we'll have, have some. some chocolate milk. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, okay. So let's see. Now to something a little bit more relevant to <laughs> fitness. <laughs> uh, okay. Emily Sisto said, how long does it take to begin seeing results physically from being in a calorie deficit? Wow. You know, <laughs> we, we, we've been talking on and off about this kind of the whole timeline thing and, and being focused on that. Yeah. Yep. And, and how that can be an issue. And I can almost guarantee you when you focus on it, it's going to take way longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you just, it's all you think about. Yeah. It's going to take way longer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we, we talk to our inner circle members all the time about you have to give something a fair shot. And by a fair shot, 30 days seems to be bare minimum. Mm. Um, bare minimum for a fair shot of being in, in the deficit, um, tracking, making sure you're, you're at least 80, 85% consistent with your efforts through that time. And then, then you can start comparing your numbers and get some more accurate assessments after that month is, is up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, month is minimum, but, but I would say... Don't don't sit there and think, well, I've done this for a month and I don't see what I want to see or I don't, you know, yep. that that it's not working. Uh, you should really be in this game for the long haul and get rid of this notion of how long does this take. It's going to take however long it takes. Yeah. 
And it's probably not going to be as quick as you want anyway. It will not be. It will, it will <laughs> never be as quick as you want yeah. it to be, ever. Yeah. The the thing with this, though, how long does it take to begin seeing – so she, she did specify physically. But you have to figure out, like, what aspect of physically. Is it measurements? Mm-hmm. Is it pictures? Is it clothing size? Like, is it just you haphazardly looking in the mirror at a random time of the day and saying, like, do I see any physical results? Because that's a, mess, uh, a recipe for disaster. If you're just randomly looking in the mirror, you're always going to find something to be critical mm-hmm. about. One day you'll wake up and you won't be as hydrated and you'll be like, oh my God, I look so much leaner. And the next day you'll be a little bit more bloated. You'll be like, what the fuck? It's not making, it's not working. Da, 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 da. So you have to figure out what measurement are you actually, you have to be specific. Yeah. So that's why I think measurements are so helpful because you can see changes in your measurements within about two weeks. Yeah. Not, not drastic, but you can see changes in your measurements within two weeks. You can see changes in your clothing size within two two to four weeks. Uh, I think physically it will often take about a month before you really start seeing physical when you look in the mirror changes. Mm-hmm. But even then it's so it's so difficult to quantify because you're your own harshest critic, which is why if you're gonna take pictures, take them front, side, and back and take them in as little clothes as possible. And like obviously don't share naked pictures of yourself online unless you're into that. That's totally fine too if you want to. But like take you don't want to take them in really baggy, bulky clothes because mm-hmm. you're not getting the full picture. And this is the other thing, you'll lose from different spots on your body at different rates. So someone's gonna lose more from their hips than someone else, someone else is gonna lose more in their face from someone else. So you might see faster progress losing fat from your cheeks where maybe you want to see it in your hips yeah. and you just have to understand it's gonna take a while to get there. Yeah, I, I feel like when we look at ourselves in the mirror every day, we don't tend to see, you know, every because we see ourselves every single day. Yeah. So we don't always see subtle things. That's why the pictures Correct. are so important. Yes. And taking the measurements and all those things are so important. So you have documentation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you said something earlier that I want to go back to. You said you got to give it at least 30 days. And I would say for fat loss, yes, at least 30 days. Mm-hmm. For muscle gain, oh. <laughs> you know, I would say at least 90 days. Oh, at, oh, yeah. I would even go as far as saying more than that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, for, for, for muscle building hang on because you thought fat loss was slow <laughs> yeah muscle, oh my god fat loss it, it depending on on the method that you use and, and it can be it's it's going to be slower than you want no matter what mm-hmm. but fat loss goes infinitely faster than muscle growth yeah, does 100 percent. that's why i would say muscle building phases are are at least 30 i mean are at least 60 oh, jesus i'm messing up every time are at least 90 days at least three months at the very lowest point all the way up to six months to eight months sometimes a year depending yeah. on how steep your surplus is but for a muscle building phase if you're doing it for 30 or 60 days you're not what you've given yourself the chance to possibly gain about two pounds of muscle at best at best yeah whereas i mean you could lose two pounds of fat in a couple of weeks yes Yep. So it, it, muscle growth takes time, which is why for fat loss, give whatever method you're doing at least 30 days. If you can't sustain it for 30 days, that's not the method for you. That's just not going to work. Right? That's right. So it's got to be something that you can yep. do for at least that amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you brought up something else. I saw someone else had a, asked a question about it. Let me see really quick. Okay, so so Lindsay Warher asked, what percentage during the month do you need to be in a calorie deficit to see fat loss? So in other words, like, how consistent do you need to be in a calorie deficit? What would you say? What would you? What do you I think? I mean, I would I would set the bar at eighty percent is a good good number to start with. But I think some people need to be a little bit higher than that. Yep. I mean, I, I think it's it, if you don't have a lot to lose, you're going to have to be high 
uh, higher than 80 probably. If you're trying to lose like those last 10, five pounds that are always tough anyway, where you're gonna have to really white knuckle it through some yep. of that, right? Yep. You, you need to really aim high for that. But if you have a lot of weight to lose, then you probably don't have to be as high out of the gate. You probably have, you have a little bit more of an advantage coming out of the gate, Correct. you know? So I think it's gonna be individual, but I feel like 80 is kind of what we hear all around. And I think that's generally a good number. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. if. If someone has a lot of weight to lose, like they have a ton of body, extra body fat, I've seen people lose weight on 60% consistency right, with right. that, which is very easy to do. Mm -hmm. But as you get leaner, it gets more and more difficult. You have to be a little bit more strict. You have to be a little bit, you have to be more consistent. And then I would say for the vast majority of people, 80% is yeah, good. Yeah. But if the thing is like it, being 80% consistent, which if we break it down practically, it's about 25 days out of a month. Right. So if you're hitting it 25 days out of a month, that is, that's the far better than the vast majority of people in the world. But if we look at this from a grading perspective, 80% is a B minus. Yeah. There's some wiggle room there. There's B, there's wiggle room you get there. To like, get better. You're, you're not like getting, that's not like Ivy League level. That's, no. No, it's not top of your class. It's like, it's B minus. I'm really glad you brought that up. But a lot of people want the A plus results giving a B minus effort. Yeah. And uh, amen like, to that. So, I mean, if you want the A plus results, then you're going to be need to be, need to be more than 80% consistent. The other thing I want to add to that is just if you're 80% consistent and you're getting 25 out of 30 days, what do you, those other five days that you're not getting, if, you, if you're finding you're, not, you're still not making prog progress at all, let's take a look at those five days. Yeah. Because a lot of people just say, well, I blew it, and they don't track on those five days, yep. right? And then they end up going so far out of whack on those five days. Well, I was 80% consistent. Yeah, but look what you did on those five days, <laughs> yep. you know? Exactly. They just went completely overboard. They massively binged. Right. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. The, the inconsistent days aren't free-for-all days. Right, right. It's They're, like, enjoy, yeah. enjoy some favorite foods. Like, feel free to go over your calories. But if you're going over by 5,000, which realistically isn't that hard to do. I know. Pe people think it's like, well, I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Oh, my. I think about going to a New York diner for breakfast. Oh. You're easily, you can easily put down two, 3,000 calories. Easily. With, without even blinking an eye. Yep. Yep. So, y yeah, you got to be mindful of everything. Yep. And this is where you have to ask yourself, how, how important is this to you? Like, if you have a lot of body fat to lose and you need to lose weight for your health, that's that's very important. That mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. If you've got if you think losing five more pounds is gonna be the key to your happiness and you just I need a white knucklet, I need to lose these five pounds so I can finally wear this bathing suit on the beach, it's like it's probably not gonna make you fucking happy. Yeah. It's just not. Probably not. Maybe it will though. So give it a shot. See yeah. ya. Um okay, next question. Deanna McAndrews asked, Are glute activation exercises necessary for glute growth? No. No. I will say this, I, you know, and, and I think that there's some people that really bash the whole act, activation thing. Yeah. I think it's a little high, it, it's a little overplayed. I agree. Um, I, agree. I I do some of those things from a rehab standpoint, yeah. and I think they help in that way very differently. And, and because of when I do them, it happens to be maybe prior to a lift or something like that, or in between sets. Yep. But the purpose is not to help my lifter to help them grow or whatever. It's because of my specific injury to my hip and I'm trying to work on other things with my hip and that's what I've been instructed to do. So yeah, I, I think people use that term, I don't know, it, it's overused. Yeah. And, and I don't think 
activating your glutes. They don't need, I mean, they're kind of activated. Yeah, there's no activation button. No. It's like, all right, activate it. Yeah. It's my activation I think button. People want to feel this burn. They think that, you know, I think people are equating the burn feeling or whatever yeah. with the, the, the glutes being activated. Correct. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if your glutes were not able to be activated, then uh, you'd have a real fucking problem on your hands. You wouldn't be able to walk. But, um, Here's the thing. A lot of people, like you were saying, they bash activation exercises and they say they're not necessary. You don't need to do them. And while I agree they're not necessary and you don't need to do them, it doesn't mean they don't have a time and a place. Right. Absolutely. I I think that especially for people who struggle to feel their glutes, I think it's important to be able to feel them. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. And and a lot of times an activation exercise, you you could just say it's a a practice you're you're practicing the technique to make sure you're using the right muscles and not using the wrong muscles because if someone's doing a glute bridge and they're using their lower back and they're overarching the lower back well what the fuck do you think they're going to do in a squat yeah right yeah. if they can't do it have it doing flat on the ground doing a glute bridge if they can't use their glutes properly there then what the hell do you think they're going to do when they're standing up with a barbell on their back yeah so i think it's a really good teaching tool i do them a lot not i don't spend 20 minutes during a workout doing it but I'll, at this point i'll spend about i don't know 45 seconds mm-hmm. doing it before I do squats or deadlifts just mm-hmm. to feel them, just to make sure I get some blood in there, just to make sure I'm using the right technique to practice that movement. Again, it's, I wouldn't call it an activation exercise as much as just a practice repetition to get the right movement pattern down. Yeah, yeah there's a big difference with that. Yeah. Yeah. So from a glute growth perspective, going back to Deanna's question, no, it's definitely not necessary at all. Mm-hmm. But if you struggle to feel your glutes properly, and if you struggle to, to maybe you feel your back too much in something, it does make sense to yeah. regress back to something like a glute bridge or a traditional activation exercise to make sure you're doing the right movement pattern. Yeah, 100%. All right. Kim5687 said, what is your advice for someone starting with a terrible diet and terrible is in all caps oh okay that means terrible. It's, that means it's more I mean, it's serious really bad she's screaming at you it's there. really bad <laughs> <laughs> um wow uh, you know i i think someone with a terrible diet like that is my, my guess is probably eating out a lot and doing that kind of thing and and you know for someone to be like that and then go to Counting and tracking and, and weighing and food and doing all of these things coming from one extreme now going to the other. That, that's probably not going to work for most people like that. Um, so you could even start with, okay, if I go out to eat four days a week, I'm going to make it like two days a week instead mm-hmm. of four. You know, I mean, start with something doable that is, will build up confidence to add the other thing. And, and you could add walking to that other thing. So, so now I'm not going out as much. Um, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not going out as much. I'm walking. I'm starting to feel a little better. Mm-hmm. And so now maybe I can um, now cut it back to once a week I'm going to go out. And then I'm going to start, okay, now I'm going to start really focusing on getting more protein in my meals mm-hmm. at home because I'm at home more. I mean, things like that. It's kind of like step by step by step for somebody probably on that extreme end. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's two different types of people in this situation. There's the type of person who they can just go cold turkey. Yeah. And they can go hard, like, all right, like, fuck it. I'm tired of being where I am. I'm going to start tracking my calories. I'm going to weigh everything, da, 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 da. And some people are like that. Other people, they need something more slow and progressive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen 
all different types of people. I've seen what I've seen some people who their whole life they are like I need something a little bit more slow and progressive, and then all of a sudden they become the person who just goes cold turkey. I think my brother is the perfect example of that. Yeah. His whole life, like he was sort of teetering in and out, in and out, and all of a sudden he was like he just went cold turkey, lost 150 pounds, and you know. So it's when I say there's two different types of people, what I really mean is there's two different options and you might be one person in one part of your life and then something happens and you become that you you choose that other option yeah so i think i i agree with you i generally think the slower more progressive approach tends to be better because the reality is if you're the, if you're going to choose the option of just going cold turkey and go super hardcore you're going to do it no matter what like you're you're no matter what you're just going to you're going to start tracking your intake you're going to be a little bit more very much more strict with it but for the slower, more progressive approach, I really like the one, two, three method. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like one salad a day, two pieces of fruit, and three bottles of water. Yeah. Right? It's super practical. Anybody can do it. There's yep. no reason not. You can't. One salad, two pieces of fruit, three bottles of water. If you can do that every day, you're immediately making your diet better. And people always ask, wait, so is that all you can have throughout the day? Just one salad, two pieces yeah. of fruit? No, it's not all you can have, no. you can have but it's you must include that. Yeah. And it, it, I don't care if you're counting your calories. I don't care really what you're eating in your other meals yet. I just want you to definitively include one big ass salad every day, mm-hmm. two pieces of fruit. I don't give a fuck if it's a mango. I don't care if it's pineapple. I don't care if it's an apple. I don't care if it's a banana. Just eat two pieces of fucking fruit and then have three bottles of water. I don't care if it's a 10-ounce bottle of water, a 16-ounce <laughs> bottle. I don't we'll give a fuck. That. Just get three bottles of water, yep, that's it. right? One big ass salad, two pieces of fruit, three bottles of water. Get that in every day. And if you start there, you will automatically have a better diet. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to, tra- I mean, it's easy. You can t- kind of track that. I mean, yeah. those three things, check every day. It, it's it's very trackable. Mm-hmm. It's very practical. Um, okay, Lady M2217 asked, what are your thoughts on doing stomach vacuums? Stomach vacuums? Get, getting... So, so it's a it's a very old school exercise. Uh, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big proponent of it. If you read Arnold's uh, bodybuilding bible, like you'll see it in there. And a lot of people say that it, it makes your waist smaller, where you literally like, you suck in your abs and you, you do like a stomach vacuum with it, where like you know what I mean, where you yeah, suck yeah, it in yeah. really, really. And and what a lot of people will say is that it activates the transverse abdominis and it's the only way to do that and da-da-da-da-da. I never knew it had that name. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew all, all that stuff. I never knew it had a name. Yeah. Vacuum. Stomach could, vacuum. Okay. Which okay. It, you can see how it looks like that. Yeah, like yeah, It looks yeah. like you're vacuuming yeah. your stomach in. What do, you, what do you think about them? I mean, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, it, because, and I, I remember very... Gosh, falling for stuff like that all yeah. the time. Going to classes years and years and years ago, maybe in the 80s, and they were telling you to do that, yep. right? Yep. All the time in all kinds of classes. And God forbid you let your stomach out because you're going to train it yep. to do that. Yep. That's what we were always told. Anybody out there remember that? Instructors <laughs> would say that. Would say, you know, you don't want to push your stomach out because it's going to end up sitting out because like you when, pushed it out. It's like your, my mom telling me not to make a funny face because it'll get stuck like that. That's exactly <laughs> the premise they were saying. Yeah, it, it's absolutely asinine, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's absurd. There, you know, there's a lot of research around that. And, and I'm sure there are some people listening who are like, I swear that like completely changed my life. It didn't. It didn't. It, it didn't. <laughs> what, training changed your life. And you can't 
change the shape of your of your hips or of your waist by fucking sucking your stomach in. Yeah. That's not going to change the shape. It's not going to make it appear more lean. What's going to make it appear more lean is being in a calorie deficit and, and losing body fat. Um, you can train your stomach muscles by doing that. You can train your transverse abdominus by doing that. But you can also train your transverse abdominus by doing other core exercises oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the way I like to think about it is imagine, um, imagine someone is about to punch you in the stomach, right? Someone's about to punch you, and you're going to absorb that force. Are you going to suck your stomach in, like, and do a stomach vacuum? Or are you going to brace your abs and have it, like, sort of poof out a little bit so you can get more stability? If you sucked your stomach in, you would be knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You, you're, the wind would be knocked out of you. You would not be able to breathe. You, when you brace your abs properly, you feel it expand a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Imagine, let's say you're constipated and you're trying to poop. Do you do a stomach vacuum and suck <laughs> your stomach in? No, it's not. You're doing it's, the opposite. It's gonna. You're probably not gonna poop at all. It's gonna yeah. be a very bad feeling. Like yeah. I just did it myself. I was like, oh, that's not gonna feel good. You squeeze your abs and you brace and you fire that poop out of your butthole. Like that's yeah. and you do that through bracing. Your instinct in in like when you're scared or when someone's about ready to punch you, that instinct is out. Correct. It's 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 instant. And if people do that, I mean, scary. You just go. <gasps> That, right, that alone, just yep. that little gasp, my stomach doesn't go in. Correct, correct. <laughs> it went out a little bit. Yeah. But it's not protruding. I mean, pe- pe- people get scared, like, you know, I'm going to get this belly now. No, that that's not why you get a belly. Correct. I promise. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I can tell you I have never, not once in my entire life, programmed stomach vacuums for anybody, never for the inner circle, and... Who knows, maybe one day in 10 years, there will be new research coming out that stomach vacuums are the best thing you can do, in which case I'll apologize and say I was wrong. But to date, there is no research saying that stomach vacuums are either going to uh, make your waist appear smaller, nor are they going to strengthen your abs in a way that you couldn't do in a more efficient way. Right. All right. Let's see. Okay. Susan, what is – okay, Morgan H. – Morgan Hill Fit – Said, what is the best tasting protein powder you have ever had? Um, I'm gonna say Legion's. It's it's a toss up for me. Of course, I can't just say one. Um, I'm a cinnamon cereal girl and the cocoa cereal girl yeah. now. I'm hooked on those two. Yeah, they're so good. I I used to be cinnamon cereal, and when the cocoa <clears throat> cereal came out, I was like, all right, cocoa yeah. cereal is my it's favorite. It's so good. Yeah, cocoa cereal. It tastes so good. It's it doesn't taste like cocoa puffs. Mm-mm. It tastes like cocoa pebbles. Mm-hmm. Or I would even say cocoa krispies a little bit. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Cocoa krispies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, cocoa yeah. krispies. Yeah. I I didn't like cocoa puffs. I wasn't up. a cocoa puff. Fan I didn't either. like how that tasted, but cocoa krispies I like, and it tastes like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a subtle chocolate. Yeah. It's not like really rich chocolatey. So if that's what you're looking for, that you won't get it. But it will remind you of that cereal. Yeah, exactly. And cinnamon cereal, I think, tastes almost exactly like cinnamon toast crunch yeah yep. yesterday i put the cinnamon toast crunch in the <laughs> I, I, I put like a whole i had a whole container of of uh i had a whole massive jug of cinnamon cereal protein shake and i put cinnamon cere- cinnamon toast crunch on top of it but it was a sm- it was like thick it wasn't yeah. like with just milk correct you had yeah. ice in it so ice it was really it. thick yeah. it was more like a smoothie and then you put it the cereal in there yeah that looked phenomenal it was great i have to say it was very good and one of the things i like about legions uh especially the whey proteins cocoa cereal cinnamon cereal the whey options is they don't sit heavy Mm-mm. in my stomach at all at even all. when i make it a thicker smoothie like it doesn't sit heavy yeah whereas a lot of other smoothies they, they or even shakes the the proud powders like 
sort of sit like a rock. Yeah. They like, make me feel lethargic. I, I really like Legion's protein powders. Yeah, it's great. Um, what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes here. Uh, if you want to get 20% off your first order with Legion, just use code SYATT, S-Y-A-T-T. You can get 20% off your first order. Uh, and if you're in the Inner Circle, remember every month we pick a winner from the Inner Circle who uses the Inner Circle code. Uh, not going to say that on the podcast, but if you're in the Inner Circle, check out the most recent edition. We have a special Inner Circle code where you get 20% off your first order, and we pick one winner every month to get six free Legion supplements shipped to your front door. So if you're in the Inner Circle, make sure you check that out and uh, and use um use that legion code for the inner circle so you can be entered to win that all right let's see is fasted okay Brittany marins said is fasted cardio dumb <laughs> is it dumb well i guess that's a matter of opinion um if you if you're doing it because you feel like it's better than non-fasted cardio or you feel like it's it's going to benefit you more than yeah yeah i would yep. call it dumb in that circumstance um if you're doing it because you feel better and that works better for your schedule and maybe you work out super early whatever then no it's not dumb yeah i mean i, I think it's just a matter of why you're doing it yeah i completely agree i completely agree if if you think that fasted cardio is going to cause more fat loss than unfasted cardio then you are incorrect as long as calories are equal by the end of the day you will have the same net amount of fat loss. People confuse the the terms fat loss with fat burn. Mm, yes. Right, and they're they're two different things. Fat burning it means you're you're utilizing fat as a substrate to fuel that exercise. But just because you're utilizing fat as a substrate does not mean you're losing body fat. The only way to lose body fat is to be in a calorie deficit, which we've said millions of times. Um, but fasted cardio, while it will use fat as a substrate, does not mean you are going to lose body fat unless you are in a calorie deficit. So personally, if I'm doing, if I'm waking up pretty early and working out, I'll usually do it fasted because mm -hmm. I don't want to have a, a stomach full of a lot of stuff when I'm working out. But if I'm working out later in the day, then I will be fed. I will be unfasted. It's just, it's, and I'll do either one based on just how I feel and what I want to do. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, all right, Michelle Pinto five asked. Tacos or hot dogs? Oh, oh, hmm. Probably taco. Taco. Probably taco. You like hot dogs, though, right? Oh, I love hot dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I like I, li I like a good hot dog, but um, tacos have gotten really creative of late. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, anything's a taco <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so true. maybe that's why I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not against hot dogs whatsoever. I you mean, know, I was never a fan of tacos until recently. Yeah. I got so much backlash on my Instagram when I said tacos were overrated. Oh, I said that too. Oh, I people got, thought I got it too. People got real mad. Yeah, because I thought I, I thought they were overrated, um, and and sometimes they still are. Sometimes I, they are, yeah. Sometimes they still are. So it's not like a do or die for me. Yeah. And tacos, and not hot dogs either. I mean, I would take a burger over either one of those. Agreed, a hundred percent. Ten ten times out of ten, I will choose a burger yeah. over a hot dog. Yep. Or a taco. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, but a nice authentic taco can be very good. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Um, let's see. How often, uh, Rach0006 asked, how often should you or can you work your core? You know, <laughs> I think people are thinking, you know, should I have a core day? Yeah. You know, along with the back day or the arm day or the whatever day. Um, and it, it's so interesting. And, and this I learned from, from working with you because I really didn't know this beforehand, really that how much your core is involved in every single thing that you do anyway, yep. right? And so when you start 
lifting with good technique, that's when you start seeing and feeling differences yep. and start being able to move some more weight. But what I really liked is how you would slip in, you know, a, a, a core exercise in a superset or something like that. So, yeah, we're doing some isolation in there just a little bit. Yep. But there's no core day. Correct. I, I don't feel like anyone needs to have a core day. Um, if you're doing, if you're lifting three to four times a week with great technique, moving some weight, your core's getting some work. You could throw in some isolation within your workout. Like you don't have to add, you know, three supersets of you know core work or something. Just yeah. sprinkle it in there. I feel, I feel like that is like the the sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. The reality is, if you're lifting properly, squats, deadlifts lunges, any of that stuff, like you're going to be using your abs. Yeah. And and if you think about it, if you're thinking about how many sets you're doing per muscle group, right? Like in, in a single workout, you might do like, I don't know, somewhere between, and it, we'll say in a week, usually, maybe you'll do somewhere between like 12 sets for a muscle group, maybe. Um, so if you have an entire core day, it's going to take up way too much time. And not to mention when you are doing other exercises that require a lot of core stability, squats, deadlifts, lunges, whatever, your abs are going to be so fatigued, you're more likely to injure yourself and you won't be able to build up the other muscle groups as well as you could. So the reality is if you're doing squats, deadlifts, lunges, all of that stuff, chin-ups, chin-ups are a massive core exercise, push-ups are a massive core exercise, uh, you can add a couple of core exercises into a, a couple of days, but that's all you need. That's all you need. I, I would say at, at most, I think if, I, if I'm thinking at most, I've programmed four core specific exercises in an entire week so that includes things like reverse crunches or hanging leg raises or pull-off presses four in an entire week. week yeah and usually i'll put one or two on on one lower body day mm -hmm. and one or two on another lower body day towards the end of the workout mm -hmm. i don't do them at the beginning i don't want to fatigue my my abs before I'm doing heavy lower heavy squats or heavy deadlifts or anything like that, I'm gonna do it at the end when I'm already done with those big movements, and then I can focus on my abs after. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just I feel like um, core strength for chin ups is so underrated. I don't think people understand. That's why hollow body holds are one of the best things. If you're gonna pick an isolation on that on a day, that would be a great one. Yeah. Um, and push up. That's a core exercise. Yeah, it's a plank. It's a plank. It's a dynamic plank. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a dynamic plank. So yeah. You, you're working your core and maybe not even realizing it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're doing a push-up properly, you should feel your abs. Oh, 100%, yes. Yeah, I mean, I there are some people who they'll fail not because their their pecs or their triceps or shoulders, but because their core isn't strong enough to yes. hold that position. And yep. I'll stop them. If they're if I see their lower back sagging and yep. they're not able to hold that position, done, the set's over. You might have been able to do more with your upper body, but your core isn't strong enough yet, so we stop, rest, recover, and then we do it again. Yep. So And, and again, like you can do a plank if you want, but you could also just do more push-ups. You could do a number of exercises. You don't have to do – the only way to strengthen your core isn't simply with, quote-unquote, core exercises, right, with, like, crunches and, and leg flutters and bicycles and all that, which they do have a time and a place. But you should be strengthening your core with full-body compound exercises as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, and some people say you don't need any core exercise, which I also think is bullshit. I think you, it's important to have some isolation exercises for them with pull-off presses, planks, side planks, single leg planks, hanging leg raises, reverse crunches, all of that, but just a few a week. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be a ton. Uh, all right. Susan Tink underscore Beak asked, <clears throat> does shoveling snow count as cardio? Oh, well, I'm sure it does, because yep. especially if you have the wet stuff. Oh, it's awful. The wet stuff is awful. 
awful and your heart rate will be jacked and and i'll tell you what your legs are going to be sore mm -hmm. and if you if you're if you're paying attention to your positioning your abs are going to be sore yep i mean it's actually a great teaching tool for proper technique on deadlifts on a lot of things um and has really changed how i shovel snow i mean i don't get that many opportunities but um, it really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's brutal. Yeah. I mean, it, depending on how much snow you have, mm -hmm. as well as the type of snow, whether it's wet or fluffy, and also your current conditioning, your current fitness level, it could either be cardio or it could be strength training. Um, I mean, a lot of people get really hurt shoveling snow every year, uh, whether it's because they slip and fall or because they try and pick up too much with bad form. Uh, yes, shoveling snow is no joke. And it's actually, it's, it's one thing I always get worried about with my mom because she's in Boston still. Mm -hmm. um, we've started getting someone to do it for her now because, you know, she's getting a little bit older and yeah. she's not as in shape. So it's like, all right, you know, I'm gonna, I would rather someone do it than, than have you go out there all by yourself and potentially get hurt and then not be able to contact somebody. Yeah, yeah it can be it can be real serious, especially if you have a big driveway, for example, like my mom does. Like a big driveway, yeah, that's a hell of a workout. That's yeah. no joke. It's it's no joke. And when I've been shoveling, I I kind of do it in sets. Like I, I create little mini, like I'll go for Smart. however many reps and I literally, I stand up and I rest. Yeah. And then I'll do some more. I mean, it, it you kind of treat it like you're in the gym. Um, and, and you can do more safely. Yeah. Um, Meggie Bear asked, um, what is that you're drinking? Which I had the picture of me with that smoothie oh. shape. Oh, with oh, this oh, yeah. Crunch. So I already answered that. Yeah. What is that you're drinking? And what is your number one exercise backslash tip for glute growth, XO? Um, I think... What is your number one exercise slash tip? Either one. Exercise or well, tip. Well, I'm going to do both. Okay, we'll do both. You got to eat. I think okay. people totally underestimate that. They're trying to be in a calorie deficit yet grow their glutes. And yep. that's not going to be the optimal way to do it. And I think people get very frustrated with that. Um, so you have to eat, whether that's maintenance or if you want to go into a surplus. And I will say this, just from personal experience, the only time I could get my glutes to grow is when I got into a surplus. Yep. That was the very first time in my life. And, and I think that may not be the case for anybody, but I think it just points out that you can't be in a deficit forever and ever and ever and expect to, to grow your glutes. Yeah. And then, then the other thing is you better be ready to work. That's um, exactly I right. Mean, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes we underestimate what we need to do. And then you better be ready to move some weight. Yep. And a, like we'll use a hip thrust as an example. If you're if you're doing you know super lightweight and doing a thousand reps or whatever, you're not going to be happy with what with your progress. You need to add some weight. And I think those two things people really underestimate. Yeah, I agree. What what's your number one favorite exercise for glute growth? I like the forty five degree back extension. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I I didn't like it at first because I was doing it wrong. Yep. I was doing it wrong where the back was arching, and we demoed this today actually for the inner circle. Yep. Um, and it's easy to do wrong. And I think the issue is it's called a back extension. Let's call it a hip extension maybe yep. or something like that. But you see people come way up on that thing, and they're arching their back, and it's like, you know, you're, you're not working your back. Yeah. You're hurting your back. Yep. You know, so if you can learn to do that and then you can add some weight by holding a plate in front of you or something, I love that. Yeah, it's a really good one. It's a really good one. I uh, That actually is probably a good exercise where someone could do, like we were discussing earlier, glute activation at yeah. the beginning just yep. to practice the technique yep. to make sure they're using their glutes, not yep. their lower back. Absolutely. I would say my favorite exercise for your glutes would probably be Bulgarian split squats. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and there are many ways to 
alter the technique. If you bring your, your planted foot a little bit closer, you're gonna get more quad. But if you bring your planted foot a little bit further out and get a nice forward lean, mm -hmm. you're really gonna hit your glutes. Yes, so I, I think because of the ability to load a lot of weight with those and also just how they hit your glutes, I think those are the, the best for, for glute growth. And you'd also have hip thrusts, I think, are a yep. great exercise yep. as well. I think back squats are overrated, to be I honest. I completely for, agree. For, not for everything, but especially for glute growth. Yeah. You don't need back squats. They, they're fine. They, they work. But I think a lot of times people's, their, their back strength is, their, is inhibiting their ability to load the bar to actually get more glute uh, recruitment. Mm -hmm. So I think that back squats are, are great for glute growth, but I do think they're overrated, whereas I think Bulgarian split squats are underrated. I would agree. I, I also like um, RDLs, and I like single leg RDLs yeah. um, uh, in particular um, for those two. But, yeah, I, I, I think you you got to eat, and you got to be willing to, to use some weight. Yep. All right. Uh, why, people ask me this because I say it all the time, why are greens powders a waste of money? And I, I guess I should say, Susan, do you think greens powders yeah. are a waste of money? Uh, all right. Yeah. Like, why? I wouldn't touch a green powder. <laughs> I mean, no, I would not touch it. Eat vegetables. You got vegetables yep. here. Yep. Eat vegetables. Yep. I mean, why would you not do that and just drink this green stuff? I, yeah. I never have figured that one out. It, it's And you don't need it for convenience. There's plenty of ways to eat vegetables or fruit or what conveniently you know I mean yeah no you know people often ask me they say well what's the difference then between protein powder being convenient and greens mm. powders being convenient and I'd say it's very different and I'll tell you why protein powder you're taking the protein powder to get more protein in because it's a little bit more convenient so you can get the protein in so that you can hit your daily protein quota to help build your muscle, to help recover more, and all of that. And you're usually just getting it specifically because you need to hit that daily protein amount in order to be able to uh, get your muscle recovery in so that you can maintain and or build muscle. That's really the main reason why you would take it. If, if someone told me that they were taking protein powder because it was gonna be, and they were still hungry, and they were still, and they were maybe they were trying to lose weight, for example. Then I would say that protein powder is a waste of time because they should be eating their food because they're going to get more full from eating their calories rather than drinking it. Yes. So in that case, I would say a protein powder would be a waste of money because if they're still getting really hungry, then they should nix the protein powders. They should nix the protein bars and just eat their fucking food. But with greens powders. You're, when you're taking it and you're saying you're getting it for the convenience, you don't get the same benefits from vegetables in a powder form as you do in their whole natural form. Mm. You don't get the same fiber benefits. You don't get the same fullness benefits. So you're, you're saying you're doing it for convenience, but the benefits of a protein powder from the, from the benefit of improving your ability to build and maintain muscle and to reduce muscle soreness and muscle recovery, you get the same benefits, whether it's in the powder form or you eat the calories. You don't get the same benefits when your vegetables are in a powder form versus in a whole form. So that's why I say vegetable uh, greens powders are a waste of money because you're saying you're taking it for convenience, but it's not the same fucking benefits. Yeah. This, you get the same benefits with protein powder in a powder form unless you're still hungry, in which case, yeah, stop the protein powder and eat it because you're going to be more full from eating those calories. But if you're just doing it for the convenience of getting your protein in in a way that actually tastes good while also still being able to, to build and maintain muscle, then, yeah, you get the exact same benefits with more convenience. But you get more convenience with the veggie powder without the same benefits. 
It's a massive difference. It's a massive difference, yeah. And, and I will say there are sometimes I would recommend a veggie powder, especially with people with a lot of stomach distress, people with IBS, sometimes people with Crohn's who struggle to be able to eat vegetables because it actually mm -hmm. really upsets their stomach. I would say I'd rather you get the veggie powder in than eat vegetables and have it really cause some massive stomach distress and have real problems with it. But if you, if you don't got IBS, if you don't have a real stomach issue and you're just taking veggie powders instead of eating your fucking vegetables, that that's a laziness thing. Yeah. That's it's all it is. hundred percent. And 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 some people are like, well I just don't like vegetables. Honestly, I don't either. Yeah. I don't eat but I eat them. Yeah. I, like it's not like I'm like, oh yes, I'm stoked about the veggies. <laughs> Bring I would, on the veggies. I would way rather have half a tablespoon of a veggie powder and then call it a day. Yeah. But that's not the same thing. No, you know, I I've grown to like veggies now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, when I was your age, it probably didn't. Yeah, I don't at like all. veggies. No. I'm no, not a fan. I, no. I like them if there's melted butter on top. Yeah, sure. Or, or <laughs> cheese, absolutely. <laughs> uh, like, of course, I don't like broccoli unless there's melted cheese on top. Then I fucking love broccoli. Then it's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, I don't like them either. Yeah. But I still, you gotta eat them. Yeah, you gotta eat Stop them. Stop being a baby about it. Exactly. I wonder how many people are gonna be mad that I said uh, that. Uh, no. <laughs> You just don't understand. It's okay. Well, see ya. Drink your green. All right. So this one, I, I like this question a lot. Uh, Mountains Please 18 asked, are there any benefits to walking with dumbbells? And it, there, there are different ways that they could be walking with dumbbells, but what, what do you think? Like, where does your mind go to with this? My mind goes to somebody who years and years, years ago would say, don't do that from just the danger, especially people would go too heavy or something with something. Um, just, if you get going into motion, people can't see me moving, but um, the potential of hurting yourself um, unintentionally, moving dumbbells around in this fast manner, which is not what we usually do with dumbbells, right? That, that piece. I, I mean, if you were grabbing the little baby weights or whatever and you, you want to try to get your heart rate jacked, I think you could do that without holding anything. I mean, I think you can pick up the pace. You, yep. don't, you don't need to hold on to weight to make it better. You know, I think if you want to get your heart rate up more, then pick up the pace. Go walk hills. Yep. Something like that. I think you'll benefit more from that than swinging a pair of dumbbells around. You know, it's funny. I read that question so different than you. Oh, yeah? I read it different, and I think you read it the way they meant it. I didn't even think about the people who have the, like, the tiny pink dumbbells, and they walk for five miles with it. I think that's a waste of time. Like, yeah. I think it's a waste of time. But I read it from the perspective of, I wonder if this person saw someone doing farmer's walks. Oh, 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 oh. I, I think you're right. I think that what they meant is... If I, if I get two and a half pound dumbbells and go on a, on a five mile walk, is that, are there any benefits? No, not really. Like yeah. I would rather have, have my hand free in case I fall Yeah. or like whatever. Um, but from the perspective of rather than picking up the two and a half pound dumbbells and walking for five miles, or maybe not rather than, but in, do your walk without any weight. And then when you're doing strength training, yeah, get 60 yards of, of, ahead of you and pick up some two heavy fucking dumbbells and walk for 60 yards, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of oh, benefits for that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, two very different, yeah. Two very different yeah. things, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when they said that, I was like, I wonder if they were at the gym and they saw someone picking up heavy dumbbells and walking for 60 yards or 40 yards or whatever and maybe, it is. And maybe, and man, farmer's carriers, pick up those heavy dumbbells and walk, but for 30 seconds or 60 yards or, or, or whatever it is, 
Oh, you'll, you'll get some benefits from I that. I love that. Grip yeah. strength benefits, yeah. back strength benefits, yep. core strength. If you do a single arm uh, farmer's walk, you pick up with one hand, just a heavy dumbbell in one hand, and you walk for 60 yards, your abs are going to light up like yep. a fucking Christmas tree. Uh, it's a great core strengthening exercise, great full body exercise. So I love heavy dumbbells, heavy kettlebells, he- lifting heavy weights and walking for a, a brief period of yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. But not, not picking going up, for a walk. you know, tiny dumbbells yeah. and going for a five-mile walk. Yeah. Like, there, there could be benefit, I would say, if you want to put on a weighted vest and and not, not super weighted, not super heavy, but put on a little bit of a weighted vest and go for a walk. I mean, if you want to, the, you do technically get a little bit more of a metabolic burn is because you're carrying more weight so it's going to be you get a little bit more calorie burn from that um you don't need to and i would say if you're already very heavy you have plenty on you you don't need to put a weighted vest Mm -hmm. on but i would say you know someone who who let's say you have the the one two three percent of people who are already very advanced they're like very 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 high level they're already pretty lean they just want to get a little bit leaner uh if they want to get a little bit of an extra calorie burn from doing their daily cardio, putting on a weighted vest actually could help with that. I don't do it, and I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, but you could do that if you want to get burn a little bit more calories from the same walk just because if you have more weight on you, you're going to burn more calories. You're using more energy to walk. Yeah. Um, but if you're not doing farmer's walks, we program them in your circle all the time. All the time. Super beneficial exercise. Absolutely. Great way to finish your workout. Um. Let's see. All right. Beaner11988. <laughs> I like that. Beaner11988 said, what are your thoughts on the different influencers that give all sorts of conflicting advice? Wow. I, there's so much chatter, right? I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much chatter. One thing I'll say is if your gut kicks in and says, you know, this is bullshit, you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have a gut. And it will it, it it'll kick us when the bullshit you know the bullshit meter will go. We all have a bullshit meter, yep. and I think we're all pretty accurate with that bullshit meter. Trust your instinct. It, if it's too good to be true, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Someone messaged me recently. I don't think she expected me to reply. She was like, "So I have to ask, why should I believe you and not someone else who says the exact opposite?" And I and she went on and on and on and on, and, and I replied. I was like, "Honestly, you shouldn't." You shouldn't take what I say or anyone says at face value. Like, see what someone says, try it, and see for yourself. Learn from yourself. Like, don't Mm -hmm. take what I say at face value and just believe me. If you hear what I say or what anyone says, be critical of it. Don't believe me just straight off the bat. But whoever it is you're listening to, if if you really want to, I like I like being my own experiment. I like trying things out, which is you know it's fun for me. But if someone says something and to you it just sounds outrageous, like I don't know. Um, they're saying like, uh, trying to think of a good example of something that's ridiculous. Like, oh, I don't know. Like there's all these like, uh, M sculpt things recently that I see where they like, the advertisement says that you go get like 30 minutes of this thing done on your butt and it, or on your abs or whatever. And it's like the equivalent of doing 20,000 crunches. It's like, and it costs five thousand dollars per session. Is your back going to be sore too? Just like like, (laughs) it's just it's it's just it when if you if something is just like Susan said, it's setting off that that sort of bullshit meter. You can listen to your gut there. But in terms of let's say you have some like me for example saying you don't need to do keto, you can eat carbs and still lose weight. And then someone else is saying, well, you can't eat carbs and lose weight. I wouldn't take either of our advice at face value, but I would do your best to try and be logical about it and ask, okay, well. 
if that were the case, then why are people in Japan able to eat rice on a daily basis and still maintain a very healthy body weight and live a very long life? Like, why is that possible? Or go for, try it for yourself. Like, try what I say. Try and be in a calorie deficit while incorporating your carbohydrates and see, see if it works. And then try doing keto and see how you feel on that and see which one's more sustainable. And who knows, maybe you're the yeah. person who loves keto and you love low carb. I mean, I think that's fucking crazy because I love carbs. But like, I was just eating chips before yeah. we got on the podcast. Like, I really enjoy carbohydrates and have figured out a way to eat them in moderation while still maintaining a healthy body weight. But I wouldn't take anyone's advice at face value, myself included. I would yeah. try things for yourself and see how they fit into your life. Do you think people don't want to try? They want the guarantee. They want to know out of the gate that this works, yeah, you know, and so the and and the odd thing is there is no guarantee. Correct. Like so, if you're not willing to try one of those things or whatever, then you know you're just gonna sit right where you are. I yep. mean, you ain't going anywhere. It, it, it's it's like the same thing with these calculations. Somebody says wait times this. Somebody else says wait times that. Yeah. People say, well, which one is best? Well. The one that you can do. Yeah. That's the one that's best. <laughs> and a lot of people, not only do they not want to try, they also, they they don't try it for long enough. Yeah. They do it for, a f they do it for like 45 minutes. Like, yeah. well, I tried a calorie deficit and it didn't work. I was like, you did it for 45 minutes. Yeah. Great. Like, you skipped the meal. Congratulations. <laughs> like, you, you didn't track your calories for a month and give it a shot, which is why I always say, and I, sometimes I'll put this on Twitter or my Instagram story, um, I'll say, if, a, if you think a calorie deficit won't work for you, then I will fly you first class to my city. I will put you up in a five-star hotel for a month straight, and I will track your calories for you. And if you don't lose weight over those 30 days, then great, you had a 30-day trip or whatever. We could even do a week if you want. It's be fine in seven days if you really want to. We could do it in a week. But I'll fly you out five, five, first class, put you in a five-star hotel for a week. The only condition is you have to eat. Uh, you have to. I will track all of your calories. Yep, you track everything. And then and if at the end of it, you don't lose weight, cool. You had an all-expense-paid trip and whatever. If you do lose weight, then you have to cover all the expenses. Yep. And yep. no one's taken me up on that. I, yep. <laughs> because they know they haven't actually been consistent yeah. with it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. Um, all right. I think that's it. I think yeah. that was good. Susan, can you just remind everyone where they can follow you? Sure. Just about everywhere. Instagram primarily, Susan Niebergall Fitness, and that's N-I-E-B-E-R-G-A-L-L. YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. And uh, my book, Fit at Any Age, is Never Too Late, is on Amazon. And if you would like to join us in the inner circle, have us to have you. write your workout programs. We have a chef, Chef Xavier Perez, who's an amazing, amazing. world-class chef. He puts out new recipes every month. We have new exercise video tutorials every month. But I think uh, one of the most important things, people ask us this all the time, is when you join the inner circle, do you get just random workouts or is it like a comprehensive plan? We don't do half-assed shit. Mm -hmm. that when you join the Inner Circle, you get comprehensive workout plans, a new one every single month. You're not getting a new one every day. That's ridiculous. And you're not getting a new one every six months. That's not enough. Every four weeks, we put out a brand new workout that you can follow. We have a three times a week and a four times a week option. And when you join the Inner Circle, you jump right into those. We have other starting programs as well. We have dumbbell-only workout programs. We have bodyweight-only workout programs. We have comprehensive workout programs. Like Whatever you need, whatever level you're at, brand new beginner or advanced trainee, we have it for you. And we will tell you exactly what to do with complete exercise video tutorials explaining everything you need to know. We would love to have you in the Inner Circle. We just launched the new 
new beta app. So we have a, a, a new app that we've been using for about a year. It's only available to members, but the beta app just launched, which is a brand new version of it, which is after a year of collecting data and user feedback, where we've made it even better, which we're beyond excited about. It should be live within two weeks from you hearing this podcast. So if you want to join, go to the link in the show notes or www.sfinnercircle.com. Again, you cannot get the app in the app store. The app is only available once you become a member, which as soon as you become a member, you get a link to download it directly. And it's free once you're a member. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon.